Ladies and gentlemen, nerds of all ages, welcome to your favorite podcast. Welcome to Nerds Talking Wrestling. I am your host, as always, DJ Bush, and joining me, he is smarter than the average fan. Hell, he's even smarter than your favorite wrestler. He is smart, Steph Allen. How are you doing today, my friend? Doing wonderful as always. How you doing, my brother? I I am doing great. Uh, currently, as we are recording, it is May the fifth, or as our brothers across the border call it, Cinco de Mayo. Yes, sir. Yes, and, sir. Uh, I really want to know this. I would say that you live in a good bit of a Hispanic community, right? Being California, we all have this kind of a consumption in our mind that California is just Mexico Junior, correct? I mean, uh, technically, California uh, used to be a part of Mexico, so it is definitely Mexico Junior, or Little Mexico, as I like to call it. But uh, yeah, you're right on that. So, what is Cinco de Mayo like for the Spanish culture. I've always wondered this. Do, do they go as crazy as us white people? I mean, well, let's, let's educate the, the fans right now and, uh, you know, show them why I am called Smart Steph. Uh, Cinco de Mayo mis- is miscommonly considered the 4th of July uh, for the Mexicans, but it's actually uh, their Independence Day is in September. Um, Cinco de Mayo is just one small battle in the war that they was fighting that is celebrated. Uh, so uh, I think that it's it's very important either way. Uh, here in Oakland, where I'm from, uh, pre-COVID and, and all of the foolishness, there was uh, parades and, and festivals that would happen in a, a predominantly uh, Hispanic area of Oakland um, called Fruitvale. Uh, this year, I don't really know what is going on. It's, we're still coming out of, you know, the, the pandemic episode, but I've seen it in my lifetime be a very uh, festive thing, no matter what skin color you are. I've attended many uh, gatherings and, and uh, festivals and parties, and then schools uh, always made sure that we had uh, single day by shit. That's how I could found out about pozole, which is what I consider like the Mexican version of gumbo. It's just a big pot of really great shit that they put into a pot and turn it into magic. So, yeah. okay, I'm gonna have to try some of this. Uh, but let's dive into what the fans want tonight. Today we are talking six names in wrestling. I picked three. Step in pick three. We do not know each other's three that we picked. And we're going to talk about our opinions of these three men. So I'm just going to go ahead and drop them on you. My three that I picked were the shit stain of professional wrestling, Vince Russo. Uh, yes, I know I stole Jim Cornette's line, but can that's my opinion on Vince. He's a shit stain. Uh, also, Jim, uh, Jim Cornette. No is my other pick, and then one of the greatest wrestling minds ever, Eric Bischoff. Ooh, okay. okay. Who are your three? <clears throat> so, uh, my list, I got 
AEW's own Tony Khan. Um, okay. I decided to throw a female in here because I have a very strong opinion about this young woman. Miss Nikita Lyons is on my list. And uh, last but not least, Austin Theory is on my list. And I have a very, very deep soliloquy on why I believe he is on my list. Well, uh, let's start off with the youngest on the list. Let's talk about Mr. A-Town Down. Austin Theory. Stefan, what's your opinions on Austin? I believe that Austin Theory is the next Randy Orton. Mm, uh, that's a very interesting hot take because I do consider him to be like someone from the class of 2002, but it's not Randy Orton. I think, I'm, I, think I might know who you're hitting at. Go ahead and hit that I, and then, and then you look at Austin Theory, and you could kind of say he's a prototype, you know, like a young John Cena. And that's exactly, you know what, and I'm going to take over. That is exactly why I put him on my list, and that's exactly why I put him on my list with the correlation to Orton and not Cena. It's, it's been commonly reported, it's been in the news, that Austin is a big fan of Cena. Austin is United States champion. He should bring back the old challenge. He is, let's not forget, he is United States champion within his first year on the main roster, just like John Cena. Correct. And, I mean, I get Cena defeating, uh, was it Big Show at WrestleMania 20? Yes, sir. And then. That's how we got, that's how we got the first spinner belt ever. A lot of people don't remember that it was United States spinner belt before there was a WWE uh, spinner belt. Let's see how smart you are, smart Steph. In 2004, after Cena won that belt, who tossed it in the dumpster and destroyed it? Damn. Was it Orlando Jordan? It was. Everyone thinks it's JBL, but it was not JBL. It was Orlando Jordan, Orlando Jordan, who was partnered with JBL at the time. It was the kickoff. To he was, what, he was, it was the was it the kickoff to what was JBL's little stable call? Was it, it was he? It was him. It was because that was when JBL was WWE champion. Or it was, it was something. They had a little name. They was a little. I, was I, I don't know their name, but I can tell you exactly who who was in it. It was. Uh, Jillian Hall, Orlando mm-hmm. Jordan, JBL, and personally, a tag team that I don't feel gets enough credit. The, Bash- the Basham Brothers. The Basham. They did have a. They did have a name, and I'm, and I, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna figure it out and we'll bring it over. And while he's figuring this out, uh, I'm just gonna drop a little knowledge. I'm gonna be smart, DJ, for a minute. Uh. I believe it's Danny Basham is the one that's a true Basham. I don't believe Doug is actually his brother. I'm going to check that out as well. But I don't think the Basham brothers are actually brothers. And while you're doing that, I'm going to you know, bring it back around. I think that Austin Theory, in my opinion, reminds me more of O2 rookie uh, Randy Orton. And I think that he has, and I think that the thing also that a lot of people 
and I'm always pushing it, is that go Google and do your research on Austin Theory. You'll know that he's another one of those really talented indie guys that had a, a buzz and has some momentum going before he got to WWE. Uh, most and and he also... He was a uh, champion in Evolve, in Evolve Wrestling. With- not only was he a champion in Evolve, if I'm not mistaken, he was Evolve's last world champion, was he not? Yes, he was before the acquisition of, you know, by WWE. But I just think that uh, and seeing if, where or seeing I where Red or what is, Evolve and, it is, but it is on the a, uh, AEW, WWE network or the Peacock network now. Actually, I'm not for sure if it transferred over to Peacock, but they had an Evolve show. And was it? Was it Johnny Gargano that faced Austin Theory for the title? Yep. Mm-hmm. And that match was amazing. Of course, Austin won, and it would later make its way to Johnny bringing him into the way. But Austin, <coughs> short, my opinion is, in 10, 15 years, we're still going to be talking about this guy. The only difference is we're not going to be talking about his first United States title reign. We're going to be talking about his second, third, maybe fourth world title reign. And that's that's exactly what I mean. Like I think that I think that right now he is in a very similar storyline to Drew McIntyre. And 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 if you remember Vince favorite Drew McIntyre when he first debuted and came in and gave him the moniker the chosen one. If you haven't really paid attention to the parallels between the two, that's where he's at right now. And I wanted to, you know, make the full comparison to Drew, but no, I actually think that Austin has the, I think he has the the, the total package. You know, if you listen to the show, you've heard me talk about how I believe that wrestlers, my favorite wrestlers, are all balanced. They're, they're they have charisma, they have the in ring ability, they have the look, but then they have a crossover. Of I don't think that there's many people that we have currently in WWE that have that crossover appeal. I can see Austin Theory in a movie. I can see Austin Theory in the episode of a TV show in the future. I think that he has just that that total package. And I think that we can see long, that longevity in his career to where he's around just as long as Randy Orton. And we keep talking about Randy Orton to allude to a future episode that we have in the making where we're going to be Jumping into Randy Orton's career, talking about. Uh, we will be like, talking about Randy Orton uh, celebrating his twenty years 20 in the business. Years. Uh, now uh, let's move so, on to from one of the greatest of this new crop of wrestlers to probably the worst person to ever exist in professional wrestling. That's right, bro. I'm talking Vince Russo. And you know what? I'm going to take over right now. And I'm in, I, I, I want to, you know, kind of interview you on this. So the names that you picked, I'm glad that you picked them because they are names that I have heard. They are names that have been around as long as I have been on this planet and been a wrestling fan. But, but what I've been confused about is that all of these names, and especially Vince Russo, they seem like at some point they was in faith. They had either done done great storylines or said great things, and everybody loved them. And then at some point, they just 
took a, 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 a wrong left and have now become infinitely to hate. I know Russo, some people contribute him being the founder of the Attitude Era, Cornette. The only person that. that says Vince Russo founded the Attitude Era is Vince Russo. Talk your shit. Thank you. Help me to understand because I'm I'm this person who sits here and I hear these names and like I say, one minute people shitting on them, but then the next minute it's, it's the, at least a comment or 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 something, a tweet saying that they're like they 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 should be on the pantheon of wrestling's important people. And I'm like, I need somebody All right, who best way to describe people. Vince Russo. I'm going to take you to New Jack. You, we all know about the New Jack mass transit incident. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? Do you know what led to the mass transit incident? It was yes, New Jack should not have did what he did, but it was mass transit's fault. Mass transit was a 17 year old kid showed up to the show. <clears throat> said, said he knew how to work, which he did not. Said he was trained by Killer Kowalski, which he was not. But at the time. Kowalski would show up with some of his guys to put him on the show, so it was nothing out of the blue. So no one fact-checked him. Vince Russo was never fact-checked, and that's what ultimately led to him becoming in the WWE. And then uh, JR, Jim Cornette at the time, Vince McMahon, all started seeing through Vince Russo's bullshit. Well, Mm. at this When they started seeing through Vince Russo's bullshit, he decided to go to Atlanta to Eric Bischoff and, uh, fuck, I always forget his name. Ted Turner, Ted Turner. Okay, that's the name I was looking for, Ted Turner. WCW, Ted Turner. And sold him, was like, yeah, I'm the guy that created the Attitude Era, I'm the one that led... W because of me, WWE was whooping your all's asses in the running, bro. In the, Monday Night War. Mm-hmm. in the Monday Night War, bro. Yes, I will say, bro, because if you ever hear Vince Russo talk, every That's fir- his, mm-hmm. every fourth or fifth word out of his mouth is bro. Is bro. Yep. And mm-hmm. we saw we saw what happened when Vince Russo got control of a company. He killed. WCW. In my opinion, Vince Russo was the death of WCW. Because also, ain't he ain't isn't one of the unlocked achievements on his list of terrible unlocked achievements is that he is the reason why David Arquette became WCW champion. Oh, he's the reason David Arquette became WCW champion. Don't forget, Vince Russo also made himself WCW champion because he wanted to wrestle in the WWE, but Vince McMahon told him it's never going to happen. You're not a wrestler. So, thank you. By by doing what you have have done, you have not only educated me and increased my wrestling IQ, but you have probably increased or will increase the wrestling IQ of whoever is listening to this and whoever will be listening to this because, like I said, born in 89, 33 this year. I started watching wrestling, I like to say, around 2000, 2001. Uh, so by that time, his his reign of terror, shout out to Triple H, but uh, his reign of terror was pretty much already over. 
And now that I've done the research and perspective, I see like, yeah, the death of WCW, which that uh, happened around 99, 2000. And that was the last time that he was on payroll. But it sounds like he and people from the hood know this term very well. He's a finesse. He is able to, you know, run up on somebody and be like, hey, I'm, I'm responsible for X, Y, and Z going on in the hood. Uh, you should give me a job without no real, nobody and to then, be like, hey, nobody. Let's also not forget the son of a bitch did it again in 2010 to Dixie Carter and TNA. An impact, okay. Fed all these right. lies, made Dixie put him on the payroll, and then the biggest problem that I had is he took the vigilante. The biggest baby face ever, Sting. And then he put him in a heel group, <coughs> the main event militia. Why would Sting, a baby face, be with a bunch of heels, even if they are all old schoolers with all, all old timers? I, mean, well, I think that that was the, you know, and, and that was an era in a time where I was watching TNA. So I do remember. And I think that that was the running thing. Was the requirement was that you had to be a quote unquote uh, old timer, quote unquote, a legend, and not you know. And knowing what I knew of Sting from WCW, like you said, Vigilante, the superhero of WCW. I mean, the, the cat that came down from the Raptors with a, with a Louisville Slugger, you know what I'm saying, and handled business. It didn't make sense other than just knowing that Sting had been. You know, NWA and that beef with Ric Flair. I was like, legend. That's why he's in the suit, and that's why he's in this group with the rest of these legends that have been around that long. I, it didn't really factor into my mind that, like, you know what? This is a heel group. All of these old cats, you know what I'm saying, that really pushing an issue, you know what I'm saying? Why would you put them with things other than the fact that I just knew, you know, that much about him? So I don't really see that being a, a bad thing. I'd actually give Russo some, some credit there, but that's what I mean about you can, you will hear But if you like look, that. if you actually remember the main event militia, Angle, Steiner, uh, Angles, uh, Angles, it was Angle, Steiner, Booker T, Nash, and I believe that was it. It was like then, six of them. And then Sting. And then they threw and AJ Sting. Styles in there for some reason. Right, when they Exactly. When when you usually start running low on ideas, and, and the original is is better than nothing else that you can start doing. I do remember AJ Styles being it. But I mean, let's talk comparison. about Booker, Nash, Hall, and uh, Booker, Nash, I mean, what is, Steiner, and Angle. You would okay. see these guys attack their opponent before the match, doing traditional heel stuff, and then you would see Sting. Standing back from the group while they're attacking, not joining in exactly. on the attacks, and could you have picture that with the Horsemen? Could you have picture the Andersons and Blanchard attacking someone, and then just Flair standing off to the side, just well, watching? I mean, I'm glad you brought up the Horsemen because I was going to bring up the other comparison that that the internet wrestling community was making at the time uh, is that. The main event might be it was a ripoff of evolution. So if you were to take that claim and try to run it, think about Triple H. How many times did he really kind of start the action? Uh, and Very true, but the same with Triple H. 
because he would stand out the ring while Flair or and Batista attacked the people, but then Triple H would hop in the ring and deliver the pedigree, wow. the final blow and, to the guy. Right. Which has kind of always been his MO anyway, and there's another reason why in the previous episode that we did go back and watch that, I talked about him being one of my favorites just because it seemed like Triple H reminded me of like a mafia boss where most of them had henchmen and, and you, you know, people to go get the job done. But you know what? I, like Thanos said with the Affinity Stones, I guess I'd do it myself. Triple H used to have a glove and a sledgehammer, you know what I'm saying? And he put the final blow in. So maybe, I get what you're saying, where if a Sting, who has predominantly been the hero, seeing him be aligned with these cats doing bad, that's almost like Batman being aligned with a group. And a lot with of Joker and a bunch of people, and then just sitting back and watching. Right, I get what you're saying. And a lot of people believe Russo did this to Sting to get payback on him. Because if you because if you ask Russo, there's two main reasons why he stopped working for WCW. One was Eric Bischoff. The other was a man called Sting. Not the hey, fact I, that Vince Russo is a complete uttery moron and don't and doesn't know pro wrestling from an episode of Jerry Springer. You know what? Hey, and and something that I think that was really dope that you kind of pointed out earlier is the uh, the kid, the seventeen year old kid who showed up in, in finesse uh, New Jack. Uh, as we talk about, you know, being individuals that want to break into the industry, as we talk about, you know, our training and, and things later on, I think that's an interesting point is that you can, there's, I've seen people who have resumes in wrestling of who they've trained with, what seminars they've been to, uh, you know, which shows they've been on, things like that. But it's really, I think it's, it's, it's mind-boggling that you could really show up to a show and finesse <laughs> like being to wrestling somebody by just dropping a bunch of names and saying they trained this person and then you worked with this person and then not actually even get into a ring and show ability and just say that, yeah, I know how to do this and I know how to do that. Because as I've had my, you know, brief dabblings, you, I've, you know, you, you got to show it. <laughs> you can't just say that, yeah, I know how to do a Canadian destroyer and I know how to take this move. I'm going to ask you a straight move. question. You mm-hmm. were trained by the person that trained Bailey. Are you I mean, ready I, right now to go and put on a show for the WWE? Are you ready to be on WWE television? No, no. And but but I you were trained by the same person that trained a WWE superstar. Because and let me finish. Because and I I, I trained with Jason Styles that is, is his name uh, for about two and a half months. So, I mean, on average, most people train for six months to a year. And and this is the point that I'm making about wrestling is it's like you don't get a diploma that says that you graduated from this school or that school. You pretty much, as I understand it, train somewhere for, you know, like I said, six months a year or however long it takes. And then somebody, your trainer or whoever it is, sees something in you or sign those schools that do stupid shows and you then kind of do the NXT thing and get to be in front of fans and build your character, build your skills up, and then you end up on the main cards of that school or that promotion shows. So in wrestling, it is really easy to kind of 
find some videos on YouTube and watch them and find somebody who has a ring in their backyard. There's a there's a fucking there's a uh, there's a viral kid, uh, superhuman who does really stupid ass moves, uh, uh, spots, uh, uh, jump off a ladder or jump off a roof through a table and hurt yourself. And that's usually somebody who will never do any formal training, but a promotion will bring him in, like a GCW or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like GCW did bring in Superhuman for a match. And that's that I mean. is just <laughs> pitiful. But since you brought up Superhuman, let's talk about the guys that get trained super quick and have one match. Uh, the person that I'm thinking of, I forget his uh, name is Vincent. I forgot his last name. He's known to the wrestling world as Triple V. He had a tag team match with Mojo Raleigh at a spot show. To my knowledge, he is the first ever Down Syndrome professional wrestler. Okay. Okay. And, I mean, you know, I think that we talk about people like, okay, to bring the, the, the correlation around Big Bad Bunny. Now, a lot of people got on him. Because oh he's a you know rapper and he he trained and and he trained and he trained in a small amount of time but he trained and he actually ended up having his first wrestling match at fucking WrestleMania but he actually put the work in and I think that that's actually the point do that you know do you know why Bad Bunny did this yeah it, I know uh, talking he did it, nerd, he did talking nerds let's bring you to nerds. Bad Bunny will be playing, I forget the name of the Spider-Man, but he will be playing a Spider-Man that is a Lucha Libre version of Spider-Man. He is legit a Mexican wrestling Spider-Man, and that is the version that Bad Bunny will be playing. That is nerd. But and, um, no, I think that, I think that, like you said, I think that with the point that we make it is Bad Bunny did an interview with uh, with LeBron James, my favorite basketball player, on uh, his uh, show, The Shop, and they talked. He talked about how passionate he is, and how much of a, I guess, as we so like to say, a mark for wrestling. But how serious he took it. He didn't want to be looked at as somebody who just wanted to come in and do it for a check or do it for, for clout, which is you know the famous word you know that everybody likes to use now. But I think that that is the same reason why I, I'm I was. I like I said, briefly trained with this man for two and a half months. I could easily be running around hyping up the fact that I trained with him, but never really finished to where I'm now able to be booked officially. I, you know, last year I did have a match down in Salinas, California with, uh, with a Lucha promotion down there called Arena Salinas, but that wasn't something that I asked for. It was an opportunity that I got and just really trying to pay my dues and be a little enhancement talent. But I mean, the small amount of, the small amount of information that I do have allowed me to be okay and be safe. More importantly, I think that that's the biggest thing is that wrestling you is all about being in the ring as I understand it and taking care of yourself and then the opponent that you're in there with and making sure they're safe. And I think that that's the biggest and thing in being untrained. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, with that thought of doing things the right, right way, let's move on to another name I brought up, Jim Cornette. Yes, Jim Cornette shits on professional wrestling the way it is now, but can we all say the pro, pro wrestling now 
is not the pro wrestling we grew up on. It's not the pro wrestling of the 80s. It is a lot of high spots. I mean, and, and same thing with Fournette. Can you just run down, when did he do something good? When when did he do something good? And and, and help me to understand, just like you did with Russo. Like, I've heard of good right. shit that he said and good shit he's done. And then I've heard of him shit on everything that is wrestling. Well, so, okay. To know about Jim Cornette, he, uh, I know he's like almost 60. And he was born in Louisville, Kentucky. Well, he was born in, so he had the 60s and 70s in Louisville. Do you know how big <laughs> wrestling was in the Midwest in the 60s, 70s, and 80s? He'd have uh, the Jerry Lawler Memphis Territory in Louisville Gardens every week. So he actually got to grow up rubbing elbows with a bunch of former, well, future WWE star, WWF stars before they even got there, when they were still in the yeah. indies. And, you know, uh, Jim Cornette broke in as a wrestling photographer for Karen Jarrett. Do you know who uh, Karen Jarrett is? No, I'm using the name. <laughs> That that is his that is Jeff Jarrett's wife. I'm sorry, I forget his grandmother's name. Jeff, you talking about Jeff Jarrett? Jeff Jarrett's grandma, Jerry Jarrett's mom. Gotcha. He okay. broke in when Jerry Jarrett's mom still owned Memphis before Jerry and Lawler took over. Right. Okay. And Jerry Jarrett is who made him a manager. He's like, hey kid, you've been coming to these shows. All the time, you're kind of smart to our business. When at a time, not a lot of people were smart to the wrestling business. Do you want to be a manager? He broke in as a manager, and then he started managing a group. Well, two guys known as Dennis Condry and Beautiful Bobby Eaton. I mean, you're you're the smart person around here. Can you tell us who those two guys are? I mean, two of the biggest. I mean, some very big names in wrestling. The more recognized name of the two is probably the latter one. But, um, yeah, or that was... if you call these two by another name, are they just as recognizable? The Midnight Express. Exactly. I was, I was like, they also, mm-hmm, the Midnight Express name. Uh, okay, and that's exactly, that's what I was getting to. He he's, was involved with them. There's a lot of people that are Midnight Express fans, you know what I'm saying? But then there's a lot of people that aren't Jim Cornette fans, and and that's why I wanted to. That is you know. true. Okay, the biggest turnoff about Jim is when guys get old, they don't have a censor. You you know, men, especially guys in pro wrestling, you know the vets. If you're the old people, shit, in, they're gonna call. The they're gonna straight in, tell you. Yeah, old people in general. That's what I, that's one of my favorite things about. I mean, I should say old, but more seasoned, uh, the more seasoned individuals on the planet. Um, that's why one of my favorite things about them is they they don't hold their tongue. And you know, one of my favorite sayings that is a southern saying, but it, you just hear it from a lot of older people is "Bless your heart." They, whoa, 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 you, whoa! Hey, hey, as a southerner. Do not talk to me in that tone of voice, sir. 
Hey, but I'm just saying, see, you know, you that's what I'm saying. That comes from a lot of older people when you are on some bullshit and they don't really, I think in their mind, they don't really want to call you all the way out on it. They hear it though, and that's they they response to it. But the point is back on track. Yeah, you uh, like, let me just talk about like, that saying real quick, because that saying please, actually means a lot please. to me in pro wrestling. Uh, growing up in the South, whenever I would tell my, like, when I was 13, 14, when my parents or my grandparents would ask me or some relative and aunt and yes. would ask me, what do I want to do with my life? I was like, I want to be a pro wrestler. I want to work for the WWE. I want to be in the business that is pro wrestling, and that's what I want to do with my life. And they probably look at and you. And then they would know. ask you, how do you make money? I was like, yeah, pro wrestlers, when you're not uh-huh. making it to the WWE, don't make a lot of money. And that's when the whole bless your heart. In exactly. that instant, everyone knows bless your heart can mean a million different things, but in that instant, what it normally means is you have an idea, but it's not a good idea. You... You're saying exactly. you you and know what you're person, talking about, but you're not saying it right. Or that they they didn't heard it and, and, and they realized that it's not really gonna go that far, but bless your heart for believing that that's gonna go far. And instead of them telling you that and bursting your bubble and killing your little dream, they just say that. And I just I I've always loved it. But that's the point, but to bring it back around. I mean, I think and another part of my brief training, Jason used to tell us to watch older wrestling. And for what it's worth, if you wanted to take it as that, he would be like, the new modern thing, it's shit. And you could take it as, oh, he's shit. No, oh, that's just an older guy that, you know, doesn't watch, doesn't know who Kevin Owens is, or doesn't know who this person is and only want you to watch what they come up on. But no, as we both understand it, because we are both fans of the old and modern, is that the old school, they did things a different way. Famously, one of my favorite old school wrestlers is Arn Anderson. And I was told that if you go watch Arn Anderson do an arm bar, what he could take a simple move like an arm bar and turn it into and how long he could work just one move in a match. A lot of people say more is less and a lot of criticism that comes from people like Cornette and some of these people that we are talking about is that wrestling now is too many moves and too many spots and wrestlers trying to do too much. And instead of taking something like an arm bar and working it for a couple of minutes around the ring and really showing, oh, wow, you know what I'm saying? Look at this guy and how he can, you know, really immobilize his opponent, you know what I mean, versus, oh, arm bar and then throwing him into the corner and, and just this this real fast-paced thing. So And I, uh, I since heard... we're talking old school, I just want to say something. You know, I'm a Tracy Smothers guy. I love Tracy Smothers. I've had the opportunity to talk to him multiple times. Uh, the person that trained me, Jason Reynolds, was trained by Tracy Smothers, and he told me there's two ways of doing things the old school way and the wrong way and that's how I live in pro wrestling there's the old school way and then there's the wrong way because even in the old school way you can throw these flips in you can throw these high spots in 
you can be an athletic cruiserweight and throw in like the little bit of luchador stuff that you know. When people are saying that it's old school, they're not talking about the moves. They're talking about the mindset. Have you ever uh, have you ever been told to grab a hold? Mm-hmm. What and when you're in those practice matches and you know your trainer's out there just yelling moves for y'all to do. For me, my favorite thing that he would yell out was grab a hold. Now, Stefan, I know you know why I love grab a hold <laughs> because it's that little bit of a break. You're not running around the ring. You're not being super athletic. That's when you get to work on your psychology and you're selling, you know, the dude's just wrenching your arm or you're wrenching the other guy's arm and you got to, mm-hmm. you got to sell it with your face. And yep. I'm not going to lie. No, Most wrestlers no. love working holds because what that means is you get to breathe. You get to calm down a little bit, get your breathing under, get ready and then take it home. That's yeah. why, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why I love, grabbing a hold. It's not a rest hold. There's no such thing as a rest hold. There's no resting no. in pro wrestling, but it's a little bit of a break. You're not you're not being as athletic. Your cardio is not going to be there. That's when you actually get to work on the wrestling part of wrestling. Well, I mean, and not just even the wrestling part of it so much as uh, your, your footing, uh, spacing, um, knowing where you're at in the ring, one of the, the and you probably notice one of the most fundamental things is um, all the action happens in the middle of the ring. That's what I was always told. And if you watch any match, it, it, it starts in the middle of the ring. The first lockup is in the center, in the very middle of the ring. And a lot of times in training, we would uh, start off with, you know, locking up and going into. See, I, uh, I, I love that the lockups are in the middle of the ring, but personally, if I'm taking a lockup, like say me and you are in our corners, okay? I want you to come three fourths of the way, and I'm going to come one fourth of the way. The reason yeah, I, mean, I like that for the psychology of it is if you're the heel and you're going to, this is no big secret spoiler. Watch every match ever when it starts with a collar and elbow tie up. The heel is going to get the. Headlock takeover, shoot the baby face off, baby face rebound, goes for a close. But it's how, but I think what you're saying is, is how they do it. And and what I was going to allude to is it usually starts with us circling and there being space. And then, like you said, we meet in the middle. It doesn't direct, we don't just directly start in the middle and go into the hole. It usually does look like the beginning of a match. And then you go in and whoever is supposed to be, let's just say, the heel and on top. They will do it, you know, do what they do. Like I said, most common thing is, you know, you come in and and you think that you're gonna lock up, but heel is gonna maybe kick you in the stomach or step on your foot. Now I have a qu- to- I have a question for you. Go ahead. It's a double sided question. When you're being shot off, where do you like to be shot off from? For me, I, if I'm being shot from one rope, I want to be right next to the other side of the ring. I like to be shot straight across the ring. I want full side ring. The reason why, and Chase Stevens taught me this. Uh, shout out to anyone that knows Chase. a Great guy. He posted this on Facebook and I really took it to heart. 
uh, it's the same reason, like, if I'm going to shoot a guy off, I'm going to shoot you the whole different, the whole side of the ring. I'm going to shoot you from one rope to the other, one turnbuckle to the other. The reason why is I need to make it, you're a little bit bigger guy than me, correct? Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm going to shoot you from across the ring. If I'm going to shoot you from the middle, it's going to look weak. I need to shoot you fully across the ring so I look like I'm actually bringing my other hand behind, looking like I'm pushing your ass to make you move. That's right. why I, I, was just, I was just about to allude to that. Let me take over. So to answer your question, uh, I like to be, I, I have commonly been taught out of the corner. So usually what we'll do is, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think how we would do it. Um, yeah, you usually take a corner and that person would, you know what I'm saying, walk in. You wouldn't give them your arm. They take it, as you like you said, take a hold. They take your arm, bring that arm to your chest, go ahead and you basically go ahead and pivot out so that, like you said, so basically what I'm explaining is, is that you would be the person to come in, grab my arm, bring it to my chest, and then go ahead and pivot out, which would give me a clear path to the other corner, pushing from behind and making it look like you said you're I'm a bigger dude, but you got the strength to move my big ass from corner A to corner B. I like the corners because that's really okay. kind of the only way to give you the distance and then also give me the distance to sell you having the strength to actually I wasn't a fan until I did it, but I love corner to rope. Uh, that's my favorite thing to sell with a guy is like, say it's me and you in a ring, I'm going to grab you in the corner. I'm going to make you think I'm going to sling you into the other corner, but I'm going to actually sling you all the way around to the rope on the other side of the rope. Gotcha. That's yep. my favorite thing to do because it's something that not a lot of guys do in pro wrestling anymore. Right. And I think, and, you know, and I think that that's the, my favorite thing about, about wrestling is the nuances. Once you pretty much learn what I feel like is probably the most traditional method is throwing from the corners because it just, it also teaches you how to, to sell the impact of being thrown into the corner. Or, I mean, again, just an Irish whip as WWE likes to call it from any direction. You know, it, it's probably, it's usually into the ropes or it's into the corner, but it's it all, it, at the end of the day, it's still the same mechanics as far as how you pivot and turn yourself into the ropes or turn yourself into the corner. Uh, but I think that um, that's what I love is that once you learn the basics, you, there's always a variation. There's always something that you can do uh, a different way. Speaking of this spot that we're talking about right now. Uh, one of the reasons why I like Angelo Dawkins is because he has a spot that they do in a lot of matches where he'll throw somebody into a corner. And usually when you throw somebody into a corner, you, you can spear them, you can splash them, give them a nice little corner close line. Those are all favorite moves that I've done in training. But he does, and he throws an elbow where before he makes contact, he spins three sticks and then lands the elbow. And that's what I mean about variation, something that I've never seen before, but I just think it's something different where it's like it gives you that, wow, 
Oh, See, I, never, I wish Angelo Dawkins would do something different. I've seen the Street Profits in three live events, and every single one of their matches was the exact same, but that's also just a WWE thing. And moving on to your next person, I'm going to give my opinions, and you can give yours. Nikita Lyons is just Stacy Keebler, stable. Just the next Ooh. thing to look at. Jeez. Oh, I, I'm taking the hot take. I know, but does she have? I was the hoping you. Of, I mean, I does was she hoping have the you athletic would. ability to become a superstar. Yes, I was hoping. I mean, I was hoping that this would happen because I was, I was, I prepared a strong defense, but I didn't think that you was gonna put her into the category of Stacey Keeper. Um, well, let I, me get. I, can she be the next Trish Stratus? Yes, she is a pretty woman who can wrestle. Can she be the next great superstar? I say yes, but will WWE book her that way? No, it's just an ass to look at. Okay, that was that's your thesis. That's my thesis. I'm just going. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna get to mine. For for all the reasons that you think that she can't. That's exactly why she will be because and, and let's talk about current events. We got Nia Jackson, we got uh, Athena as she's now going by her old indie name, but Ember Rose, I mean Ember Moon, talking about how in meetings it's somebody on WWE's payroll that is telling them that they need to look a certain way to achieve accomplishments and move up the ladder in WWE. Now, what I don't like about that, we'll talk about that in another episode later on, is why not say something when, hold on, let me let me get deep into this because you're going gonna to love it, just sit back. Why not say something when you on payroll? Why do these individuals wait till they off payroll to then start talking about individuals that's on payroll that are pushing you to look a certain way that we understand that in any business and in any industry it's 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 frowned upon it's not good business policy but at the uh, same time the nature of the business and the nature of your company has been to push this because we used to have and you talked about push strategy earlier you talked about Stacey Keeler we used to have Braun Penny we used to have Braun Penny matches so it's not a new thing to be riled up about but again we also understand that in pop culture sex sells and in wrestling that is true it sells she has a, a very she has an amazing figure i mean her her geometric angles are something that should be in a, in a, in a geometry book but at the end of the day i believe she has the star power she's already been in a movie and connected to mark Wahlberg. she's new in the business as far as she was in uh wow um, and and started in about 2018, so she doesn't have a long track record of matches yet. But she has a look. She has. I was. I'm in a. I'm in a a, a group on Facebook that is predominantly African American, and she debuted at, in in Black History Month. And guys are losing their mind over her look, and it is pissing hey, off. Uh, I can. Of, uh... For all the fans, I can say this is true. My white ass is in this group too, and that's all that gets posted. Yes, debut. 
you are in there and, and, and hold on, you are in there and what and, and it pissed off it pissed off a lot of black women. And the number one complaint, the number one, the number one criticism that they love to give her is that she's basic as fuck. How is she basic as fuck? Let's break down this lady's talent. Not only is she into acting, but she has martial arts training and a martial arts background. She can sing. She can dance. And I'm, I'm gonna pause you for re- one moment, uh, just because I want to say something about the Athena thing. You know why she didn't say anything on when she was employed by the company, right? Because well, the same I thing mean, may have happened, and and someone that was employed by the company may have found her little uh, sexy elf gimmick on the indie. Which, which somebody did post a meme of that trying to contradict what she was saying. Which I mean, I think, yeah. How do you? I mean, I, like I said, I'm not. I'm not a fan of. I'm again. I'm a fan of of women being treated correctly. And that's what try- I was bring, saying about Nikita. Uh, just real quick is yeah. Go ahead. Get, I get want her to, to be treated right. She has the ability to get over, but at the same time. There's the right way of getting over, and there's the wrong way of getting over. This is a professional wrestling company. If you get over in pro wrestling, it should be based off of wrestling. Now, if this is right, which is something else, which is what we kind of been talking about, right? Which is what we kind of been talking about this whole episode is the validity of it. You know what I'm saying? Is that again having some some real training, having some real developmental time? in a ring and having some, and I think that she's going to have it. I think that she's, again, I think she's a perfect example of what NXT is trying to be, which was what it was originally, which is, was to develop and to build your character. And she's, she's doing that. They got her in, in segments outside of the ring. They got her paired up with last legend who is at the same level right now. And, and, and honestly developing in the same way. I think that she has the ability. I think that, well, like you said, I agree. I just hope that Vince doesn't, and it's been reported that they are looking highly of her. I just hope that he doesn't book her in the same way that, I mean, Trish ultimately was booked in a lot of different ways that was vulgar and, you know what I'm saying? And then she got over, and that's why I exactly. And I, I think want her to be a Stratus, not a Sable. Right. Okay, so we on the same page because I mean Sable for what it I mean Sable and Keebler and Kelly Kelly in the very beginning. I mean Kelly Kelly started out just basically stripping on TV in WWE. Exactly. You remember you those I mean? women's names by what they look like. You say Sable. You don't I remember, remember her Playboy. I can't tell you a single fucking match she was ever in. Thank you. Right. I don't want Nikita Lyons to be remembered at just for her finish or just for her looks. I want her to be remembered like, oh shit, remember the girl that took the title off Mandy Rose? Because I really think that's where they're going at. We on the same page. That's another reason why I I put her on my list is because I I look at the the landscape of 2.0 right now as far as women. And like I said, I like to say that she hijacked Black History Month by debut, and not the not like she chose to debut in Black History, but she hijacked the last bit of high of Black History Month by just 
and her then... look in that split. But the point is, I think that, yeah, she's somebody who has potential. Uh, I think uh, uh, Roxy Perez, also, you know, who's also Rox- Roxy, has potential. I think there's a lot of beautiful looking women that have in-ring ability. I want to see Nikita on the main roster. I want to see her versus Becky and Charlotte and, and Beyonce. Since we're talking about women with talent that can get over, I think it this would be the perfect segment to get your opinion on the man that kind of ruined women's wrestling with hot lesbian action, but he did give us other good stuff like the NWO and Hollywood Hulk Hogan. That's right. What are your opinions on Eric Bischoff? Um, I'm actually an Eric Bischoff fan. And see, so I'm going back some of my watching and my fan history. So I, I didn't know. I knew who Eric Bischoff was when he popped up after the the uh, the whole of the alliance storyline. You remember when he popped up on Raw, and you remember when he became Raw GM? I knew who he oh, was. I was. Dude, I, I remember I was, everything I, about Eric Bischoff because uh, let me give you a little history before we continue. If you don't know this, he's from Minnesota, which is AWA territory. And Stefan knows this. Uh, Stefan, what territory in pro wrestling am I addicted to? Uh, what is it? Um, Kentucky? Wow. It, it's actually JCP, the Jim Crockett promotion. Yeah. Right, 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 right. And the whole, and oh. we're, well, all the South, but the one I know the most about is the Jim Crockett promotion. It's Jim Crockett, right. right. How much I love Jim Crockett is how much Eric Bischoff loved the AWA. Right. And so it funneled to him going to WCW. Uh, my opinion on Eric Bischoff is the same opinion I'm going to give on Jim Cornette and the same opinion I'm going to give about myself, yourself, and the next person we're going to talk about, Tony Khan. They are a fan that was not okay with just sitting in the stands every single week at their local show or going to big promotions and just sitting in the stands, they were not okay with just sitting there because they wanted something more. They wanted to be in that ring or in that locker room. And with Eric, Tony, and Jim, I'm going to lump all three of these guys together. Well, I'm not going to say Tony yet because we don't know. But they don't really have the whole ability to be arrested. So they found another way to break in. And that's what this podcast is about. It's not about being a pro wrestler. It's about being in the pro wrestling business. We didn't start this to help more wrestlers come in. No, we started this to help the whole wrestling business because we need need artists to design sets. We need creative minds to write storylines. Just wrestlers will not thrive in the business. You need a whole group. And uh, continue with what you were going to say, my friend. 
I mean, and just to, to jump off of what you just, you know, laid down. I mean, also it's just about being enthusiastic. I feel like being a nerd is is about having something that you are enthusiastic as fuck about, and it's and, and whether it's somebody else that is enthusiastic as fuck as well, or whether it's ten people that's like, uh, why is you into that and why is you into this? Um, I think that that's that's what I'm, you know, one of my biggest contributions. Is I'm enthusiastic about wrestling. I'm enthusiastic about Jurassic Park. I'm enthusiastic about Star Wars. I'm enthusiastic about and Marvel. be enthusiastic about so many different things and to bring it around into Eric Bischoff. I think that that's one of the biggest things that I love about him is that he's knowledgeable, but he 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 showed that he was enthusiastic. And then I mean, he had his matches and he had his own screening moments and times where you know he was a part of the show and I think that that's the thing um, you know about wrestling is that a lot of people say that it's like performance art or it's like theater and it is and one of my favorite quotes in life is they say that life is like a stage and we all have to play our part and I think that that's the perfect analogy for wrestling. Wrestling is really a stage and, and these shows Everybody has a role to play, and not everybody can can uh, do it in the ring. And I'll, I'll bring it around to a personal story. So not, I mean, not only have like I talked about earlier in this episode, have I trained with uh, Jason Styles briefly, uh, but I've also trained with a group of individuals that are connected with another uh, current WWE superstar uh, in the name of Shotzi. Uh, I've actually trained with the Stoner Brothers. Who uh, who have trained her? Who famously have a story um, about getting the WWE tryout and 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 actually leaving and quitting that tryout um, after one day? But uh, I trained with them on some different occasions. The longest I was with them was six months, and I was actually dropped uh, from them. And they gave me the spiel about you know. You know, wrestling is just not for every. You know, uh, you know, being a wrestler is not for everybody. And uh, you know, you you know, if you want to be a manager, you know, maybe we can work with you. But you know, as far as in the ring go, you know, we just don't see you having the ability. And uh, you know, it, it, it it's it's bullshit to me. But I mean, I'm I, I, what I took from it was, you know, you have to have. You in wrestling, you're gonna have people that don't believe in you, just like in anything else. And at the end of the day, you are you you're the author of your story. There's gatekeepers and there's people that are gonna validate your ability, and we've been talking about that through this episode. But if you are somebody who gets into this business and you and and you make the decision that because of your physical 